Hey guys, Tim here. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Or maybe you've got one that just doesn't seem to be growing the way you want it to. I'm going to be teaching an online course to share everything I've learned about growing Dropping the Gloves. In this course, we'll be covering how to start your own show and plan your content, monetize your podcast, build an audience, create a brand identity, leverage audience feedback, and analyze data in a way that's actionable. Here's the catch, though. You can find information about basically all of those things from a simple Google search. So I'm not going to share boring how-tos or best practices. Instead, I'll be sharing real stories from our experience with growing the show and the important lessons we learned along the way, mistakes we made, what we wish we did differently, and how we turned a fun side project into a real business. And most importantly, how you can apply these lessons to your own podcasts. It's a 90-minute class that you can attend either of two nights, October 23rd and November 14th. You can find a link to more information in the bios of any of our social media pages, but also feel free to message me if you have any questions. I hope to see you there. afternoon everybody welcome to a surprise tim friday edition of dropping the gloves i felt like we had to do one it felt like an unfinished week we had the jordan nolan interview yesterday which was a which was a top-notch interview wouldn't you say tim it was interesting to hear like the shorzy stuff was pretty cool i love that show now and yeah just behind the scenes was was pretty neat and it's often i mean we don't get a lot of guys who have multiple cups on the show that was pretty cool too I was just going to mention that I didn't realize he had three. He's been on three Stanley Cup teams. I knew yeah. two, but I thought it was one L.A. and one St. Louis. So I was joking around with him. Is it one and a half? Because he didn't even play in the St. Louis team. It's definitely two. Like he played two two seasons with the L.A. Kings and won two cups. I just I just messed up. But even then, he wasn't very he wasn't very jokey about it. You know, I was trying to give him a hard time and bust his chops a little bit, and he wasn't having it. He, I think, what it was, he's doing media all day. I think, I think he's done with the interviews. Interview fatigue. So, I was thinking that too. He's trying his best. I'm trying to have a good interview. Truth be told, I don't care. I don't want to interview you. I'll be honest. And Tim's, Tim's like, don't say it. Don't say it. The, we were doing them a fit. They reached out to us, interviewed Jordan Nolan for Shorzy. I'm like, I don't even watch Shorzy. I don't have a TV. It's a lifestyle choice. But it was interesting to talk to him, right? Did I just, should we start again? No, it's fine. I, my favorite moment was the, the outdoor game thing, which remember I was that too. I didn't know you obviously, but yeah. I didn't know that. We talked about that. Yeah, I was, I was visiting my cousin in San Francisco and we went to that game. So I was and I was truthful when I when I mentioned that I really wanted to get into a fight. My sole goal was to fight outside. It would have been so cool. It was 75 degrees out, probably 70 at that point. No, no takers. And L.A. was a tough team at the time. They had, yeah, like I mentioned, Clifford and Nolan and Matt Green. And I was like doing everything I could to fight. I'm like, come on, guys, we're outside. Let's go. Let's fight. And they were just like looking for quarters, every scrum, looking down, no, no interest in fighting whatsoever. Whatever. Apparently, Jordan needs to be like kicked in the face to be engaged, to, to want to fight. 
which is everybody to each their own. You know what I mean? I didn't want to fight every time, but I still did it. But he made it seem like it's not just for fighting, but for anything. Like to get into the game, he needs to be like pissed off or someone needs to cross a line. Cause, cause like, I know some guys don't like squaring up, even enforcers, they they have to do it in the moment, ideally, but that's not what he made it seem like. Like just the coach's coach's nightmare. Yeah. It's like, you don't want to play in the NHL? Oh man. I don't know. It was, it was interesting talking to him. It takes all kinds. You know what I mean? Not everybody can have be the, the intensity of some of the guests we have on where we're just like locked in 24 seven. It's hard to get up for every game, I guess. It's an 82-game season. you got to get motivated every single game. That's what makes the NHL special. Jordan couldn't do it. But he still played a long career. While he was talking, I was running through my head of other guests we've had, like like Brady or like Cam Jansen even, or even like the other guys that just had, like Aaron Volpati, how how fired up he was for every single game because he didn't get that many. He maybe 100 or so. Yeah. Like they, those guys would have killed for that moment, you know. It's interesting. It's it's very interesting to see. That's why I asked him. I'm like, do you think? Do you regret? Like he he could have had a great career. I didn't realize the points he put up in the OHL, but to pair the points with the physical attributes that he had, like he was a he's a mountain of a man. So I think he's six two, six three. He's strong. Could have been a force out there. Maybe if he would have been a little more motivated. Who knows? I'm not going to trash talk him after he did our show, but. It was one of those interviews where I walked away just like, hmm, interesting. It, it was an interesting conversation, more so on the fact that I was thinking about what the heck is going on the whole time we were talking. I'm like, is he really saying what he's saying? Is he saying that he wasn't motivated playing in the NHL? Is he saying that he had a hard time getting ready for games? Like, sometimes you have to calm me down for games where I'm just like, like, let's take a couple breaths and it's you're just, a calm guy anyway like you're and i'm a very very chill guy yeah so who got the kinds. most the most like anxious and jittery before a game oh just like worked up mike brown remember mm. we had downtown brown on here pitsy we called him he yeah. would get so worked up and you know who else um tommy wingles yeah. remember tommy wingles that name he would get oh he was a bruin for a while Yep. He would yep. get so jittery. Every team has a few guys who they're just shaking. You know what I mean? It's like, just calm down. It's never the superstars. They're mostly cool, calm, and collected. They're ready to roll. It's always the third liners, fifth or sixth D man. The guys, I think what makes it nerve wracking is you know you're going to have to go out there and just put your body on the line. You're going to have to go out there and throw your body around. You might get injured. You have to get up to do that. It's not normal to go out there and just like click in, like, okay. I'm in the NHL game right now. I got to start burying people. I have to start. I I was thinking that when I was watching the football game last night, like these guys have to go out and they know they're going to have a, like literally a car crash when they hit somebody, they're running so fast and they're just throwing their bodies at another human being. How like that, it's gotta be so difficult being a linebacker or a safety or even a running back. You know, you're just going to get pasted every single play. And that's what these guys did. A Patrick Coletta. This guy went to the hospital multiple times a season because he just would run his body into the boards every single game. You have no idea what it's like to be around these these guys after they retire. Like Pat Coletta can barely sit down. Like his neck is always locked up. If he has a bad day, if he sleeps on it wrong, he can't lay down. One whole season I was in Buffalo, he could not lay down. He slept sitting up. 
it was so bizarre because his back and his neck were so out of whack because he just puts himself through hell every time he's on the ice. Every game you have to do it, Tim. Every game. I wasn't that intense. Like when I hit, I like I was 270. I didn't really have to skate too hard. I would bury people. So I, I wasn't in the same category as those guys. But boy, it's it's nuts to see the, the stuff people put themselves through. And then you go on the other side of the page, you meet someone like Jordan Nolan. It's like, wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. Like, let's go. Start playing more. You have it. I played with a guy, Benoit Puglia. Top three overall pick. You see him in practice. I played with him with the Houston Arrows. I played with him in Minnesota. We were good friends. I'm like, let's go. Pick it up. If he were to ever, like, wake up and try, the kid the kid would still be playing. Light, hands down, one of the best skill sets i've ever seen he was six three smooth as silk like absolutely just effortless tim he just didn't have that switch you know steve mcintyre he's like my wires crossed i like i lose it or even just like a work ethic he just didn't care he just was like all right i'm more talented than 99 percent of the people in the nhl so i don't have to work and that's what it was with Pooley. so and he's had like a great that. career yeah they just make you like fans like us just scream at the TV. We're like, move your feet. Do like um, other Bruins. Glenn Murray used to drive us crazy. Mm. And after him, Michael Ryder, same type of thing. Like he'd put up, you know, he'd score four goals in six games and then he would just appear for 20 games. And it's just like, Mike, come on, come on, do something. Just yelling I at just, our TV. I know. Well, it's more maddening to the coaches and his teammates because you're sitting there watching this guy who could be the best player in the NHL. And he could dominate games and he just won't. It's because he doesn't want to. So, you know, it, it really is hard to be a superstar. And I want to touch on a kid who's coming into the league right now because he had his preseason debut, Tim. Connor Bedard made his preseason debut with the Chicago Blackhawks yesterday. They played the St. Louis Blues. A throwaway preseason game, right? Who cares? You're getting ready for this season. You're working out the kinks. Not a big deal. It was jam-packed. Now that I'm working for the Blackhawks on television, I don't know if you know that. I'm part of the NBC pre- and post-game show. Going to be pretty special. They don't televise preseason games in Chicago. They did this year because of Connor Bedard. This guy is changing everything. Like, he honestly is. It was a packed house in Chicago where usually they'd probably sell maybe 8,000 tickets. Jam-packed. Couldn't get a seat. Tickets were being scalped outside for... Thousands of dollars. Everybody wanted to be a part of Connor. I don't know if it's thousands. I'm just throwing that number out there. Everybody wants to be around this kid. He did not disappoint. Second shift dangles some jabroni defenseman. Absolutely walks him. Could have went a little far side shelf, but he was being back pressured. We got a pretty good shot off. All in all, Tim. Two assists. I think he had five shots on goal. He had a bunch of high stats. His goals expected were like 70%. He dominated the game. The best thing about it, he interview after the game, he said, I don't think I played that good. I got more. I got it's it's I'm so excited to see him play in the regular season. My my point total of 100 might be short selling him. This guy might get 150 points. He could win the heart trophy this year. How many times has the heart been won by a rookie? Have you zero? Well, except the inception of the league, I think. But other than that, it's never been won by a rookie. Yeah, I mean, it won't be, but like, yeah, he's, I watched the second period last night and it was so good. And they were like, the broadcast team was going out of their way. It seemed like to me to not talk about him every time he was on the ice, because you could have, you could have spent half the game just talking about what he was doing and just the little, the little po checks and do, especially obviously with a stick on his, uh, the puck on a stick and all that. And that overtime goal, 
that pass I mean, it's, it's a lot more challenging than it looks because you got to have patience you got to make it exactly right because the defenseman was there and a fantasy yeah how about the wheels on that guy oh he burned right by that was the part that burned. i was impressed oh my just was gone yeah so i don't think the pass was that great it was a nice little saucer pass it wasn't it didn't land flat it was you know bobbled a little bit but it was a great play you know, I'm not going to undersell what Connor Bedard did in his first preseason game. He gets two assists under all that pressure. Can you imagine the pressure that this kid's feeling right now? He's 18 years old. He's going to one of the most storied franchises in all of sports, Chicago Blackhawks, coming off of a dynasty that they went through from 2013 to 2017, I think was their last Stanley Cup. What do you think is going through his head on a day-to-day basis? It doesn't look like it phases him. We really have no idea. He's so like just even keeled, sort of like McDavid has been and was as a rookie. Like you just he's very good. And you have to like you have to protect yourself if you have that much of like tension and spotlight. He's gotten really good at it because he's been doing it for like five plus years already, even though he's only 18. So I don't really know. I'm sure he's excited. Like he talks about like texting his dad and stuff like that's his world right now. He's a kid. And so the fact that he's doing all that and then interviewed right after the game saying I can be so much better. It's just. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch this kid. What's the pressure on Chicago? Because last year they came dead last in the central. I think they were uh, bottom three in the whole league. I think Anaheim was right below them with 58 points. Chicago had 59 points. So they were second worst team in the NHL. What is the pressure on this team this year? Are they expected to win, Tim, do you think, right out of the gate? No, no. No. Most people have Chicago at the bottom of their standings, but... I don't know if you catch fire with Taylor Hall puts up 70 or 80 points, you know, most of those being assists maybe, or if you get like that was a right. Is that that other kid they're putting on that line? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, They have some great young defensemen, but no, they're not going to be a competitive team. I could see them. Like, I think that if they win games, it's going to be like five, three with three points from Bedard. You know what I mean? So no, they're not there yet, but it's a good first step. Yeah, I I don't know. I, this team, if they get hot, I love the addition of Corey Perry. He was his dirty rat himself last night. Nick Felina was there sticking up for everybody. So I, I don't mind this team. I don't think they have the talent level that you need to compete to get into the playoffs, but I think they're going to surprise some people. I know I picked them what? We did our picks last week. I think I picked them dead last in the Central, maybe second last place. I don't know. After watching them last night, they look pretty solid. They're a good team, and uh, Connor Bedard, I can't, I can't get over how good he is. I, I really can't. It's going to be a special, special season. What got me thinking, I mentioned pressure on the Hawks. What other teams are feeling the pressure this year? You got the Knights coming off the Stanley Cup champion. That pressure has been lifted. What other teams and players maybe are feeling the pressure this year? The one that comes to mind to me is Steven Stamkos and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I feel like their window is drastically closing. He's in a contract year. He's mentioned numerous times this offseason, especially lately because he's back in the the fold, that camp and stuff, that he wants a deal. Everybody's talking about it. There's no deal to be had. Julian Breezebaugh is waiting. He's going to play the waiting game. Smart move by him. How much pressure is there in Tampa to win now, knowing that your captain could potentially leave? The news coming out of Tampa now is Vasilevsky's injured for who knows how long, Tim, eight to 10 weeks at a minimum, potentially longer. Is there a huge amount of pressure in Tampa out of win? Do they go out and get another goalie? That's the question. So he's, it says he had back surgery out eight to 10 weeks. Like you said, could be longer. 
Like, do you go out and get uh, a legit goalie knowing that Vasilevsky might not be completely healthy when he comes back, like a Hellebuck or Gibson? Or do you go and get like uh, a a fill-in who can just be like a a 1B starter and just bridge that gap until Vasilevsky comes back? Because I saw an article that was titled uh, Between a Rock and a Hard Cap, which is basically saying that they have no cap space. They already didn't didn't have cap space, and if they move him to the LTIR, that obviously opens stuff up. But then when he comes back, what do you do? So, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on this group. There was anyway, and and I I I had him second in this division, but a lot of people are are, are uh, more critical on them, saying they might even miss the playoffs even before that news broke, which I don't really get. I think they're going to be very good, but with this with the him with his injury, doesn't look good. Doesn't look. There's good. no room for error, I think, in this in this conference. We've we mentioned it time and time again how strong the Eastern Conference is. If he is out 10 weeks, if he's out the first two months, maybe extends to three months, he's not a spring chicken anymore, so your rehab usually takes longer, they're in big trouble. They're in very big trouble if they can't get out to a good start and get a good positioning because to come back in this division, Tim, it's going to be hard. The Leafs are going to be great. We know that. The Panthers are going to be there. That's a given. Upstart Sabres. Ottawa Senators retooled. They're going to have a good team. Then you go to the Metro. Hurricanes, Devils, Rangers, Penguins. All those teams are going to be there at the end of the day. It would not surprise me when it comes to March, April, May, that these guys are fighting for their playoff lies in the wildcard position. It's a huge deal at Vasilevsky's out. They need to figure it out. I don't know what their backup situation looks like. I've never heard of this Jonas Johansson guy. Maybe they trust him. Maybe they don't. If I'm Breezebois, I'm going to go and kick the tires on some vet around the league. I'm not going to go all in and get a Hellebuck or somebody else who's on the market. You go and get a serviceable backup who can be a veteran backup when Vasilevsky comes back. But a guy who's used to being a starter in this league who maybe has fallen at a... What about a Marc-Andre Fleury? Well, Martin Jones is the other name that's being thrown around right now. Mm Mm-hmm. He would be great. Yep. He would be absolutely fantastic. If it doesn't work, whatever, say la vie, you can cut bait. It's not a huge investment. But with this team, with the clock ticking on what they're doing, they need to win now. There's no next year for them. I know as crazy as that sounds, the guys they have locked up for long-term contracts, Kucherov, Point, Sorelli, Paul, Tanner Janot on the back end, Sergachev and Hedman and Chernak, they're going to lose Stamkos this offseason, most likely. They have no salary cap room, unless he takes a huge pay cut. This is maybe, I know, they have a very good chance to win the Stanley Cup this year. They need Vasilevsky healthy, so they can't waste the first three months of the season waiting for him to come back. You got to have a good goaltender. You need to win early on or else, like I said, come the end of the season, who knows what's going to happen? Look at Pittsburgh last year. They were in a solid playoff spot. They lose the last two games to the Buffalo Sabres and the Chicago Blackhawks. Then they're out of the playoffs. Florida sneaks in and they make it all the way to the Cup. So, Nothing is given in this league. Just because you made the cup three times in a row, just because you have all these stars, it doesn't mean you're going to win anything. You got to get someone to replace him. That's a big blow. Do you know how he got hurt? Was it in practice? Was it in training? I have no idea how he got hurt. I don't I don't know. No, I don't know. All right. Well, what are you going to do? Who else do you think has any pressure this season, Tim? I mean, a lot of teams do. I think that the Maple Leafs for the for the same reasons every year, just because the expectations are so high, and now you've got that contract stuff. We've covered that. The Rangers, I think, have a lot of pressure. There's just a lot of questions surrounding this group, and and I haven't missed in the playoffs, honestly. I, I just don't see it. I know you're pretty high on them. I think there's a lot of pressure there for them. 
You have them missing the playoffs. Are you? Well, Zabini died. Are you crazy? Like that's incredible that you have them missing the playoffs. I I don't like this group, John. I don't. Um, Wild card at the most. I don't think they're going to be in the top of the division. Um, but a lot less pressure in the West, right? Like how much pressure is on like the Vegas Golden Knights to to do what they did again last year? Yeah, I don't think any. I think they checked that box. They'd obviously been fighting the Stanley Cup for the last few years, ever since their inception. I think they have no pressure at all. They're playing with house house money, pun intended, playing from Vegas. I think they're going to play loosey-goosey this year. Jack Eichel's going to have a career year. There's no pressure on him. He left Buffalo. Everybody throwing shade at him, question marks, myself included. He nailed it. Played fantastic. Led that team to a Stanley Cup final. So there's no pressure there. I think the pressure is going to be the Colorado Avalanche. Much like the Steven Stamkos situation, the Vasilevsky with the injury. How are they going to be this year? Their captain is out for the whole season with an injury. Who's going to step up for the Avalanche? Is it McCarr? Is it McKinnon? Is it Rantanen? Is it one of these other guys they bring in who is on a second chance, like the Drew Ans of the world? What is going to happen in Colorado? Down year for them last year. Very underwhelming for the Avalanche. I feel like they're going to continue to plummet. I don't think they're going to do much in the playoffs. I think they'll win some games, sneak into the playoffs as a second seed. But that's it. I know you're high on the Avalanche. You always are. I just don't see it. I think they're going to be like the St. Louis Blues of the 2018 era when they win the Stanley Cup and then they just go away. I feel like the Avalanche have hit their mecca. That's it. They have three of the best, what, 10, 12 players in the world yeah. on their team. Yeah. I don't understand how you could think they wouldn't be very good. You're talking about, I mean, Landis Gog is, is obviously an elite player, but it's not like he leaves this massive gap that you kind of have to wonder who else is going to step up. He's the fourth best player on his team. So I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be just fine, especially out in the West in their division. So you're telling me all it takes is a couple of good players to win a Stanley Cup? Then why hasn't Edmonton won a Stanley Cup every single year when they have the top two players in the whole NHL? Is that the argument you're trying to make, John? Do I'm, Yeah, because you just said they have three of the top 12. Edmonton has two of the top two. Yeah. Take, takes a team. It takes a lot more than that, though, because look at what, what McDavid did in the playoffs three years ago and when they won the Cup versus what McDavid I mean, McKinnon, I meant McKinnon when they won the cup versus McDavid hasn't been able to like he put up the points, but there's not the right team around him. Yeah, Colorado I, don't, I don't think Colorado has a team around him. I think Colorado has better depth than the Oilers. Disagree. I feel like I think I got you and you're not you just you're not man enough to say, you know, what, you're right. I don't think they have the depth. They're giving second chances to a lot of guys. Thomas Tatar, Jonathan Duran, Ryan Johansson, Cogliano. Come on, guys. Maybe maybe it'll work here. Maybe we'll make it work here. I, I don't I don't see it. I think Edmonton has decent depth. You need more than that. You need to have stars. You need to have guys who can put the puck in the back of the neck consistently. And they, they have, have a few. Okay. They have that. Yeah, Their they need more. Is as good as any team in the league. False. When Landeskog is healthy, I'll give you that. He is a huge addition. They lose Landeskog. They lose Nazim Kadri. Those are two huge pieces from their Stanley Cup championship run. Tim, they haven't replaced them. The Shushkin, who knows what he's going to do this year. They haven't replaced those guys with nobody. Yeah. Okay, It's okay we'll to lose, a, lose an argument. We'll find out. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't lost anything. I haven't lost anything. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, I think Colorado's yeah. in big, big trouble this year. I, I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. They're a good team, but I feel like that window is closed. You're crazy. 
You're crazy. Let's make a little breakfast bet. Who finishes higher, Colorado or New York Rangers? Oh, the Rangers, without a doubt. Oh, okay. We'll find out. From the point total? Yeah. Yeah. The New York Rangers will hands down have more points next year than Colorado Avalanche. What did they do last year? The Rangers got 107. The Avalanche got 109. Pretty much the same. All right. Speaking of the Vegas Golden Knights, Mark Stone got a little got a little upset last night in a preseason matchup with the LA Kings. What happened? Everybody's well, I know what happened. I don't know Mark Stone's exact comments after the game. I know around about what he said about this guy. So what what were his exact words and we'll react in real time? So he got buried, obviously, didn't like it, took exception, went after the guy, you know, a, a scrum ensues and Mark Stone was asked after the game and he said, quote, that's probably the last time I'll ever play against that guy. Not really much of a player, so I'll leave it at that. Talking about Hayden Hodgson, who's playing one of his first NHL games ever. What do you, I want your take on this because I have a very strong take on this. What do you think about this whole situation? Well, there's two main arguments, right? The first one is like, it's a clean hit. Don't be a crybaby. It's a hockey play. Once you're on the ice, everyone's equal. And the other half is like, okay, you have this kid who's played seven NHL games, trying to make a name for himself, going after a guy, clean hit, but also knowing that you're going to steamroll him because he's not looking and it's kind of dangerous just because of his position against the boards. He's like three feet away and gets tossed into it, which is how guys get hurt, clean hit or not. And you know what you're doing. You know Mark Stone's injury history. You know he's the captain and a veteran who's put in his dues. It's not a hit that an unknown player should be leaning on that guy. I see the merits of both of it, but at the end of the day, it's a clean hit. You're on the ice together. And you we talked about this maybe two, three years ago. It was um, the Senators. that Someone hurt. Uh, it was... Uh, you remember this hit? It was um, a guy, basically, it was the same exact thing. It was a preseason game, and and one of like the minor leaguers who was up for, for the preseason made a, laid a massive hit on someone. Somebody got hurt, and you said, doesn't matter. Once you're on the ice, doesn't matter who you are. These fourth liners can go after the stars. Everything's equal as long as it's a clean hit. You feel like, you feel like it's the same thing here? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you're on Austin the ice. Austin Watson. It was Austin, Austin Watson. Watson. Nobody yeah. likes Austin Watson. That guy is a... Yeah. That's another show. <laughs> I feel like this is fine. I, I can see why Mark Stone is upset. You know, you're coming off the Stanley Cup high. You want to ease back into the preseason. He probably didn't even want to play the game. He gets on the ice and he just gets absolutely buried. My issue is, and this is a bigger, bigger conversation. Does this happen 10 years ago when this kid, if he would have touched my captain, someone would have ripped his face off? You know what I mean? I, I, I'm thinking this way because I read an article yesterday about some dummy who writes for yahoo sports he was talking about how fighting is up in the preseason already compared to last year and the year before and why fighting doesn't serve a purpose this is a prime example of why fighting is great if ryan reeves is on the vegas golden knights there's a pretty good chance this kid doesn't make this hit because he knows as soon as he makes the hit whether it's that shift or next period He's going to get hurt in a fight. He's going to get buried by a hit. This is, it's just why you need fighting in the game. Why you need tough guys to quell guys like this, Hayden Hodgson, who just run around trying to make a name for himself. I don't blame Hayden Hodgson for doing this, but 
it just makes it completely obvious to me why fighting is so important in the game. This guy yeah, wouldn't do it if there was a little fear factor in his head. Counterpoint, though, why should a guy have to worry about getting his butt kicked after making a clean hit? And the, you could say that's why fighting is phasing out of the game because for stuff like that, you shouldn't have you to have worry to, about you getting You have to protect in your face. investments. If if I'm a GM and I'm spending $10 million on my star player, I want to make sure I'm protecting that guy. So I'm going to go out and get a nuclear option to thwart all these little guys who are trying to hurt my star player. Hayden Hodgson, who makes 800000 could potentially derail my season because he buries Mark Stone and either gives him a concussion, separates his shoulder, whatever injury you want to uh, put in that space. So you get a guy to thwart those people. You have to protect your investments. So you have insurance on your car. Just in case you get in an accident, they fix your car. The insurance for these star players is a meathead like me who comes in before the game, especially a preseason game. And I knew the preseason was the biggest risk factor for stars because guys are trying to make the team, trying to make a name for himself, and they go out and they do stupid stuff. They're all jacked up. First NHL game. I made a point to talk to most guys. You check the stats. Okay, what did he do in the AHL? What did you do in college or the OHL or wherever? And you tell them, if you get out of line, I'm going to beat your doors off. And it's the preseason. I don't care if I get suspended. Who cares? I proved it in Toronto. I didn't care. Preseason was for sending a message. And the message was sent. Vegas is soft. They they buried their best player. Nothing really happened. So, And then for Mark Stone, really talking after the game. I'm like, it's low-hanging fruit. So I'm not going to see him again. I hope LA keeps that guy. And when they play Vegas, they start him. That's what I would do if I were the LA Kings. I'd start this guy right in Vegas and say, there he is. There he is. And if I was Hayden Hodgson, I would go out there and I'd wave to Stoney. I'll like, oh, see you. I'll see you around. But anyway, it shouldn't happen. Get a tough guy, Vegas. That's your own fault. You traded Ryan Reeves, one of the toughest guys in the league, and you have no one left to back him up. Who's going to fight him? Who do they have who's tough on that roster? Marcia Stowe? They have, they have nobody who, who puts the fear in anybody. I, I, I've talked to multiple tough guys on this show and around the way when I do charity stuff. And George LaRock, for Pete's sake, he's like, when I knew you were playing, I, I, I was careful. Because I, people are scared. It's a mental thing. You change the way you act when you're scared. I got nervous if I didn't want to fight somebody. I'm like, okay, there's Steve McIntyre. I'm not going to finish that check. 100% that went through my mind. It's just a, the nature of people, Tim. It probably happens to you daily. I'm not going to that store. That guy scares me. I'll, I'll stay on this side of the street. I'm a little nervous. No, I thought you were going the opposite. People were going to mug you, but then they saw they got a good look at you and said, you know what? I'm staying away from that guy. Oh, no. You're a target. No. You no, absolutely no. are a target. Because I've been mugged so often, right? Well, for you've been hit by how many cars? Twice. Once, <laughs> once in Traverse, once here. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But I don't know. I I don't like what Mark Stone says. You can't. These guys are in the NHL. You have to show some iodum of respect, right? Like you're trashing somebody to the core. Like it's a really hard chirp. I don't really I don't really like that. It's low hanging fruits because he's a superstar. He knows he can say it. But this kid is fighting for his life to be in the NHL. And you're just like just saying a lot of stuff. It's mean. It's not nice. All right, Tim, what else are we going to talk about today? Well, one more thing on Mark Stone. So after that scrum, he grabbed this kid, Brant Clark. Do you, did you see this clip? No. He's um, he's played he played nine games last year. He's a young kid. He's 
6'2", but he's 185 pounds. He's really small. Mark Stone's a big boy, and he's got him basically by the shoulder pads and screaming at him. And the lip syncers on Twitter are saying, the lip readers are saying that he's like, welcome to the NHL. And Mark made a, a moment, um, a, a comment in the interview afterwards saying he scared the crap out of him. And it's sort of like, okay, you, you get pissed off at this clean hit, and then you're bullying some some rookie who's half your size. Uh, people are kind of picking on him for that a little bit too. Brian Clark's going to be a good hockey player. First round pick a few years back. He's going to be a heck of a heck of a hockey player for the LA Kings. So uh, who cares? Mark Stone. I don't like him. I I had a run in with him at a party in Ottawa one time. He came in to the house party. I don't know how we got to this house party. He came in and his hair was all over the place. I was like, you're such a loser. I don't know. <laughs> he just rubbed me the wrong way. You know what I mean? It's one of those times where the guy walks in and you're just like, get out of here, man. Just gave me a w- weird vibe. He's got sideshow Bob hair. Couple other uh, small things. A little interesting tidbit from an interview um, in Slovakia, Thomas Tatar. And I'm only bringing this up because we talked about this type of thing a lot where guys bet on themselves or have certain expectations for how the offseason is going to go when they're a free agent and the courting they're going to get and the money that they turn down money early on because they think there's a bigger deal on the table. This is what he had to say. He said, quote, a one-year offer from New Jersey was on the table, but I refused since I wanted more term. I only realized later in free agency that it's not possible to get more than a one-year deal this year. Then Jersey signed to Foley and that was it. Kind of interesting on why he didn't go back to New Jersey. That happens a lot, especially this offseason. The the free agent market and the money on the table were just not there. You saw Tyler Bertuzzi sign a one-year deal. You saw a lot of guys sign one-year deals where in years past they would have signed five, six, seven-year deals with a lot of money. It's just a, it's just the way of the business right now. There's no money to be had. So, interesting. Now Tatar is on Colorado on a one-year deal worth 1.5, but he's going to put up 40. So, and the Colorado is going to win the cup again. Just... Uh... I'm kidding. You honestly think he's going to get 40 goals? <laughs> no. Stop. I, I, yeah, I mean, 20, 20 would be good. Would be good for him. Thomas um, Tatar, a guy who's been bounced around the league for the last what? He went to Detroit, cup of coffee in Vegas, went to Montreal, went to New Jersey. Now he's in Colorado. A guy. Okay, you think he's going to get 20? Uh yeah, I think he'd get 20. He had 20. Um, let's he had see. 20 last year. Yep. Okay. Yeah, he can get four. He can get 20. A couple of halfway things. through the season, we're going to check in on this and we're going to see where Colorado is and they'll be fighting for their life in the Western conference. Colorado is going to start. They could start relatively slow start three and five. And you're going to try to make me buy you breakfast. Like you already won the bet. It's not going to happen. You've never paid one of those dumb breakfast bets. Anyways, you've never bought. I that's, bought you breakfast. That's why okay, I moved. a couple times. I didn't want to pay up. So I had to get out. Well, of Jersey. The saving grace for them is a central division is is going to be bad really really bad this year the minnesota wild are going to take multiple steps backwards the winnipeg jets will be competitive if they're smart they're going to trade their top guys so they'll be bad the predators are a huge question mark the blues are a train wreck coyotes blackhawks we all know about them so it really is the avalanche and the stars in that division it's going to be the stars division running away early on it's going to be called but anyways i i I saw something interesting we're talking about Connor Bedard and first round draft picks and this and that. And I went back. Oh my gosh, why did I not hear any noise from any of the draft picks last year? It's because nobody played. I don't know what the history is of first rounders and taking the next step to the NHL and this and that. 
Nobody played in the NHL last year from the first round outside of Yuraz Slikovsky, the number one overall pick. And he was overwhelmingly garbage last year for a first overall pick. That was it, Tim. No other people, players drafted in the first round, saw any NHL time in the NHL. Not one. Isn't that crazy to you? When, when you look back at all the drafts, when you look back at all the people selective, first overall pick, second overall pick, Neil Yakupov, for Pete's sake, had a tremendous rookie season, and he was one of the worst first overall picks ever. Does that not boggle your mind that no one else played from that draft class? You look back in 2021, there was Ben Yeas, there was Owen Powers, there was Mason McTavish. All of these guys were big parts of their teams right away. It just, I was shocked by that because usually the three of the top five play right away. And there's a guy who are in the teens who surprises and makes the team. So I don't know I saw, maybe I'm making more of it than, than I should, but maybe that, that draft class last year wasn't that good. Well, you saw a few games from Shane Wright in the beginning of the season, right? Not many, but didn't he, didn't he play before he got sent down? I think uh, he played eight games. Then they were yeah. like, whammy, see you later. That'd be another. I'm interested to see what he does this year. I hope he. I hope he does well. I don't um, think he's going to make the team. I. I think they just asked for an exemption I from that. the AHL so he can play in the AHL this year and not go back to juniors. So <laughs> they're already planning for him to go to the minor leagues. So I don't think he has any business being in the NHL. He's he's got the Jordan Nolan complex where I don't think he really has that switch to like let's go let's play. He seems to relax up there. You know who else had that? Cody Hudson. Remember him? Great. Yeah, he had a so, wicked shot. So talented, but just didn't have that mentality. I don't know what it is. Did he yeah. play in Vancouver too? He did. He, he started oh, yeah, in Vancouver, this... got traded for Zach Cassian, and okay. he was good. This goal that he scored was a slap shot coming down the right side, just right over. It was against the Bruins, just top cheese. It was an incredible shot. And I'm like, this guy's good. Who is it? And then he never really, never really did anything. Signed a big deal. And then just kind of great kid, like super nice, a little, a little like creepy. I will say that <laughs> this was one of like, um, like what's the dating? App? Very, yes. Very uncomfortable. Tinder was a thing. And then there was other dating apps, but I guess there's this thing you can't screenshot or something on, on one of these apps. Cause it, it notifies the person who sent it to you. Snapchat. Was it Snapchat? So he would take his iPad and take a picture of his iPhone so he would have documentation over whatever he was talking to. Isn't that weird? That is weird. That is weird. Yeah, I, I saw him doing it on the bus. I didn't see what was on his screen. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, they don't know if I'm uh, taking pictures now. I'm like, are you documenting the, the chat log? I, I was just like, <laughs> it's a weird... It's a weird move, Chubbs. Like it was very strange. So I got I just thought it was what all the kids do. Maybe they do. I don't know. How about my new men's league team? They just sent out a big text message thread and they go, we'll just get this and then we'll cha- change over to Snap. I'm assuming it's Snapchat. I have no idea what Snapchat is. I've never done it. Do you have Snapchat, Tim? No, I had it in college, but I deleted it many years ago. Is it like it? It's just a text message thread, right? It's the one where the picture disappears after 10 seconds. But yeah, I think it's like, sick. it's got a lot more stuff to it now. It's like a whole, it's like a whole thing now. It was very Can simple. Can you do little TikTok it. videos on it and stuff? I don't think so. 
But people follow their locations too on that one. I'm pretty sure that's the one where they like, they track each other's location. It's Why weird. do you want to know where everybody is? I don't know. That's like my a boss. Thing now. My boss has that here. He he pulls up his phone sometimes. He's like, look, at, there's my wife and there's my kids. I'm like, it's so weird. Why do you want to know where everybody is? It's too, people know too much. Less is more. I found that the less responsibilities you have, the happier you are. The less, sometimes less is more. I don't know. Right? Quick, quick things here. Like you have zero responsibilities. You say None. that. Okay. Let's what, and so what your responsibilities and you're are? you're happy, right? Your responsibilities are to work and take care of your family and take care of your house. That's a lot. That's a lot. Okay, but that's like normal stuff. Like no one. I have human beings you. relying on me. Sure, sure. I have a dog relies on me for everything. All we're, you we're have to do really is put enough food in your body sustenance. That's it. Yeah, but that's very like it's very intentional. Like it's I I totally recognize that I don't have I don't have anyone depending on me. I don't have a mortgage, I don't have kids, I don't have all that stuff. And I make very good use of that time and freedom that I have. I'm doing a lot of cool things. Your imprint on society and the world and don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> Just stop before you even say it. First of all, okay, let, go ahead. You could die and I don't think it would be that much of a ripple, right? Your mom you would be that? upset. Your brother you would that? be upset. Right? Would I would be, be upset. Would, okay. <laughs> you know how hard it's going to be to find a co-host right before the season? <laughs> Who's going to send out my tweets? This is, <laughs> but this is the kind of thing that the listeners are Our social like, media would just plummet. <laughs> Our listeners are folding their arms right now and being like, John, you got you to gotta tone it down, man. I'm still upset about the whole mean. Colorado thing. That's why I'm lashing out that you can't admit that Colorado's in trouble. We just got they have tweet. good players. So Edmonton has good players too. Two minutes ago, two minutes ago, we got this. Okay. Tweet. At dropping gloves. When is Tim going to get credit for his outlandish call that the Bruins would win last year's Atlantic division? What good are your prediction shows when you don't recognize quality? And guess what? The Bruins will win the Atlantic again. At, from Stephen McReynolds. Stephen, you had me in the beginning. You had me in the beginning. They're not going to win the division again, though. That's just you called. Uh, they were going to win the division, division last year. Yeah, I did. But this is actually, and I'm, this is important. This is a different show because that was our bold predictions episode, which we haven't yeah. done. We'll, we'll, we'll do that next week. But so is he hating on us? I'm so confused. He just wants, like many of our listeners, he wants he wants me to get more praise and respect and love, and and instead you tell me that if I die, nothing would happen. So well, something would happen, but I. How did we get here? We're talking about responsibilities and pressure. That's what it was. Pressure. Okay. Okay. Uh, Hey, one more thing. Matt Zuccarello just got a contract extension. So his contract extended the end of this current year. He's making six right now, and he's going to be making four point one two five for two more years. So good for him. I think Minnesota Wild is a good spot for him. He's a good player, one of the most underrated players of all time. So good for him. He'll close out his career with the Minnesota Wild. He's 36 now, turning 37. Gosh, he's be 40 years old when he retires. Good for Zooks. We'll have to send him a little tweet. He needs a sentiment. I I still firmly believe that Ryan Hartman is not that guy. But that's nice. I like the Minnesota Wild. Another team who is under a little bit of pressure. What do you do? I don't know. They, they're they're just such in a bad situation thanks to their previous GM. But anyways, moving on. Anything else, Tim? Um, Steve Steos, 
president of hockey operations in Ottawa. Is that a guy you know at all? Is yeah. That news? Played yeah. against him versus the Oilers. Yeah. Is that a good move for them? Oh, they hired him as president of hockey operations? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know he was in the management area. Who knows? It's all it's all an old, old boys club, Tim. You know that. So he's probably buddies with someone who works in Ottawa and you need a job. Okay, come on in. President of hockey operations. What does that even mean? He's going to book the hotels that's, and the buses. That's a real job. You know, that's a, that's a different one. That's not what supervisor does, assistant to the advisement committee. But what does it do? President of hockey ops. You probably on everything. Yeah. Doesn't. Is that different from president of a team? Yeah. President of the team kind of oversees everything. Hockey ops oversees just a day-to-day hockey stuff. That's what I mean. Is he logistics fix, travel? Is that what finance, he does? Budget. I don't know. I don't know. It's all so confusing. So last thing here, um, I'll quiz you for just real quick. There was a poll of the fans of the most hated teams down to the least hated teams, one to 32. Who do you think was number one most hated? The Leafs. They're second. Bruins? Bruins were number one. Yeah. Um, Which teams do you think were down at the bottom of the least hated? Well, just inconsequential teams like the Hurricanes. Hurricanes, no, they're uh, right in the middle. They're 17. The Sabres like, were 32. No kidding. Good for them. They're easy to root for. There's a lot of good personalities. You want them to do well. I, you know. sa- I tell you what, there is no greater compliment than having a stadium full of fans like booing you. I loved it. I, I loved it in college. I loved it in the NHL. It means you're doing something right. I was talking to somebody recently about that. I was hated in Boston. Like people would throw stuff at me on the street. They hated me. People would I write blogs you. about me. Yeah. I loved it. It meant I was doing something right. I was in your kitchen. I was doing my job. I beat up your toughest player. I knocked out your star with a clean hit. It, it, it's a good thing. So good. I'm glad the Bruins are hated. It means they're a good team. They're the Yankees, the Dallas Cowboys. They're, they're polarizing. You're loved or you're hated. The being, luke, being lukewarm is not a good thing. So good. Good trivia. Anything else, Tim? Uh, no, nope. Okay. We're going to go next week. It's very exciting. We're going all video. Apparently the video is the future of podcasting. It's not voices anymore. So we're going to download every episode. I'm going to have a fancy backdrop. Hockey fights wants me to get rid of my headphones. I don't think I'm going to do it. I don't have a speaker on my computer. That's the problem. Like, does your speaker come out of your camera? Uh, No, I bought a speaker. I don't have a speaker. So I I don't know what I'm going to have to do. But yeah, get ready. A new vamp dropping the glove is going to be available on YouTube every single episode. You can see Tim and I's just beautiful mugs. It's going to be great. I got to figure out why I'm so zoomed in always. Yeah, half your face is cut off when you talk. I don't know why. Is it because I'm sitting too close to the computer? Can you touch your computer with your... Like yeah. your arm length? Yeah, easily. I don't know why. My my camera just zooms in on my face. It's very strange. But yeah. Look out for that, everybody. It's gonna be fun. You'll still be able to get it all the other ways, but we're gonna we're stepping up our video game. It's gonna be exciting. Mostly for the ads, I'll be completely frank. I guess sponsors want ads on video. And our video's junk. That's exciting, Tim, isn't it? It is. New era of dropping the gloves. It'll be 2.0 worldwide. 
All right, everybody. On that note, thank you for listening. Check out the Jordan Nolan interview if you haven't heard it yet. If you have, great. I'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 